You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Join Bloomberg in San Francisco or virtually on May 7th for The Future Investor, Data-Powered Transformations. This 2024 event series will examine how data is not only playing a pivotal role in investment decisions, but serves as a driving force behind the construction of innovative, investable enterprises. This series is proudly sponsored by Invesco QQQ. Register at BloombergLive.com slash futureinvestor slash radio. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Friday, June 24th, 2022. Coming up this hour. The Senate passes a bipartisan gun safety bill. Boris Johnson suffers a big defeat in the UK. Stocks are on track for their first weekly gain in a month. And banks ace the Fed stress tests. New York lawmakers react to the Supreme Court's decision on guns. Plus, a Long Island library admits it made a mistake in banning LGBTQ content. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashauer in sports. High drama in the Bronx. A ninth inning Yankee rally to stun the Astros. They held the NBA draft in Brooklyn. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. And U.S. stock index futures are on the rise this morning. We're coming up to 601 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up 31 points this morning. Dow futures up 219, and NASDAQ futures up 114. The 10-year Treasury, little change, yield 3.08%. And the yield on the two-year at 3.01%. And NYMEX crude oil is up 1.4%. Nathan. Karen, we'll have more on markets in a minute. But first, the Senate has passed by partisan gun safety legislation by a wide margin. We get the latest from Amy Morris in our Bloomberg 99.1 newsroom in Washington. It is being hailed as the biggest breakthrough on gun safety in 30 years. The bill will improve background checks, secure schools, and gives more funds to states to tamp down gun violence. Republican John Cornyn of Texas was one of the negotiators. Will it save lives? Will it save lives? And I believe the answer to that is yes. And that makes this worth doing. The House is expected to pass the bill and send it to President Biden's desk for his signature before leaving for a two-week recess. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak. Amy, thank you. The Senate's action on gun safety comes after an altogether different move at the Supreme Court. The justices struck down a New York law that prevents most people from carrying guns in public. Republican Congressman Kevin Brady of Texas says it's the right call. No, I think the president's uh, concern that this is dangerous or reckless. It just in real life, in real states where uh, this has been around for an awfully long time, you know, none of those concerns have occurred. But Democratic Senator John Ossoff of Georgia says this could set a dangerous precedent. Well, look, one of the things that I hear consistently across the state of Georgia uh, is strong support from law enforcement. 
for common sense gun safety measures. Senator Ossoff and Congressman Brady spoke with our Washington correspondent Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Sound On. Catch the show weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio. Well, even before that ruling, Karen, confidence in the Supreme Court has reached a new low. Let's get the latest live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Nathan. A Gallup poll measuring faith in institutions over 50 years shows many societal pillars are having a bad year. But the 11-point drop for the nation's highest court is about double the decline experienced by other institutions in the survey. Confidence in the Supreme Court this year has slid among Democrats from 30 percent to 13 percent and from 40 to 25 among independents. For Republicans, the Gallup poll says confidence has risen from 37 percent to 39 percent. The poll was completed a few days before the high court's decision yesterday, striking down the New York gun law. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thank you. Another major story we're following this morning focuses on the insurrection at the Capitol. The January 6th committee's fifth session centered on pressure former President Trump put on the Department of Justice to help overturn the election. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. It focused on the attempt to force the DOJ to throw out the slate of electors in Georgia to meetings that threatened assistant attorneys general, including Richard Donahue, saying that they would lose their jobs. He said, people tell me I should just get rid of both of you. I should just remove you and um, make a change in the leadership, put Jeff Clark in, maybe something will finally get done. Chair Benny Thompson. We've shown the inner workings of what was essentially a political coup. Thompson says the next session will focus on how Donald Trump summoned the mob to Washington and that violence became his last option. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. Thanks, Ed. We also have some news on trade this morning. Bloomberg News has learned the U.S. is set to escalate a claim that Mexico violated a free trade agreement. The dispute has to do with Mexican policies that favor state-run energy companies. A dragged-out conflict could lead the U.S. to impose tariffs on Mexico. Well, in Europe, Nathan, there's a big election defeat for Boris Johnson. We go to London and get the latest with Bloomberg's Ewan Potts. Good morning, Ewan. Good morning, Nathan. Karen, a double election defeat for the UK Prime Minister. Boris Johnson's Conservative Party losing two special elections, including one in a district where last time he secured 60% of all votes. Johnson says he will listen to voters after the defeat. But in a resignation letter this morning, the Conservative Party chairman said we cannot carry on with business as usual. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak. Ewan, thanks. Shares of financial companies are higher in early trading after banks aced the latest round of stress tests from the Fed. And we get the story from Bloomberg's Doug Krisner. Even in a challenging economic The Fed determined banks had sufficient capital to withstand a severe recession. Think of it as a worst case, surging unemployment, collapsing real estate prices, and a wipeout in equities. Now, the test also looked at whether trading operations at firms like J.P. Morgan Chase, Morgan Stanley, and Goldman Sachs could hold up against a hypothetical market shock. In all, the test assumed combined losses of $612 billion. So, with passing marks, banks are now free to return $80 billion to their shareholders. In New York, I'm Doug Krisner, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Doug, thank you. Well, turning to the markets now, and we apologize for the earlier error with the tape there. The bounce back on Wall Street continues. Futures are higher, building on three straight days of gains for the S&P 500. The index has risen more than 3% during this holiday shortened trading week. We hear from Rebecca Corbin, the CEO of Corbin Advisors, who says investors just want certainty. Even in a challenging economic backdrop, if they have certainty with regard to what to expect, The 
equity markets will decouple from the economic performance. And Rebecca Corbin of Corbin Advisors notes the S&P 500 is on track for its first weekly gain in a month. Futures this morning are on the rise. S&P futures up 30 points straight ahead. Your latest local headlines plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. Right, Karen, thanks. It's 6.07 on Wall Street. We're at 63 degrees in Central Park. It's still dealing with problems on the Long Island Railroad this morning. We'll get you the details in traffic. But first, Michael Barr is here with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. New York lawmakers are reacting to the Supreme Court's ruling striking down the state's century-old law, limiting the right to carry a concealed handgun in public. Governor Kathy Hochul says the decision isn't just reckless, it's reprehensible. Heaven help us. Uh, if that's what they're going to continue doing with, with laws and having us go back to that time in history, unrelated to the current circumstances where we have a gun violence crisis on our hands. New York Mayor Eric Adams echoed Governor Hochul's remarks. We cannot allow New York to become the wild, wild west. That is unacceptable. Mayor Adams says the decision ignores the shocking crisis of gun violence every day engulfing not only New York, but our entire country. Former New York Mayor Bill de Blasio. Our law enforcement officials for decades have believed this kind of approach, these strong gun safety laws, are particularly important in a place like New York. And the Supreme Court just really spit in the face of law enforcement. Former Mayor de Blasio spoke to Bloomberg Radio. Meanwhile, State Republican Committee Chairman Nick Langworthy says Democrats are trying to create fear and division over what he characterizes as legal gun owners' rights to protect themselves and their families. The New York City Council will hold a hearing at noon today on school budget cuts. Mayor Adams gave assurances that the reduction would coincide with falling enrollment rates. However, the council wants to look at the Department of Education's changes to the formula used to calculate how much money is allotted to each school. A Long Island Board of Trustees admits it was a wrong decision to ban LGBTQ content from the children's section of a library, including books and displays. The Smithtown Library Board of Trustees apologized and voted last night 4-2 to reverse a previous vote initially banning the content. The decision came after Governor Hochul called for a human rights investigation into the matter. Walk-in appointments in a New York City temporary clinic giving monkeypox vaccines had to be halted. Officials say there was so much high demand at the Chelsea Clinic they couldn't accommodate walk-ins. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thank you, Michael. Coming up to 610 on Wall Street, John Stashar has a Bloomberg Sports update. Thanks, Nathan. Yankees and Astros have developed quite the rivalry, and here they are again, two best teams in the American League, and what a start to the four-game series at the stadium. Three-run homers all over early on. Alex Bregman, before there was an out recorded, Giancarlo Stanton, bottom of the first. Jordan Alvarez is 22nd of the year. It remains 6-3 Astros from the top of the third to the bottom of the ninth. Another three-run homer, this one from Aaron Hicks to tie the game at six. And the Yanks were not done. Aaron Judge came to the plate. And the 3-0. Line hard, deep to left field. Base hit. Trevino rounds third. He's coming home. Trevino scores. Ball game over. Yankees win. The Yankees. 
Jays. WFAN 7-6 win, their ninth walk-off victory, their 15th in a row in the Bronx, longest home win streak since 1961. Judge will spend today at an arbitration hearing to determine if he makes $21 million this year for 17. Bigger financial issue with Judge is what happens after the season when he's a free agent. NBA draft in Brooklyn. The Nets did not have any picks. The Knicks had the 11th pick, traded it to Oklahoma City. One of the few trades the Knicks made, and in the end, they were able to rid themselves of Kemba Walker, whose return home to New York a year ago did not go well. Traded to Detroit. The Pistons expected to buy Kemba out, and he'll be a free agent. Dukes, Paolo Boncaro taken first overall by Orlando. Rory McIlroy shot 62 for the opening round lead in Hartford. The Colorado Avalanche up 3-1 on Tampa Bay. Can tonight win the Stanley Cup? Josh Dash Hour, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? All right, John, thank you. Right now, S&P futures are higher by 32 points, adding to their gains this morning. Dow futures up 236. NASDAQ futures are higher by 121 points. That is a gain of 1%. Ten-year Treasury now down 5.30 seconds. The yield 3.10%. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg Daybreak brought to you by Hofstra University's Frank G. Zarb School of Business, top-ranked online MBA program of the Real World Foundation. Learn more at hofstra.edu slash grad. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. The technology sector giving a lift to stocks and bonds are holding a rally as investors evaluate economic threats and scale back expectations for inflation and interest rate hikes. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures are up 32 points. Dow futures up 230 and NASDAQ futures up 120. The DAX in Germany is up nine tenths of a percent. Ten year treasury down 430 seconds, yield 3.10 percent and the yield on the two year 3.03 percent. NYMEX crude oil is up 1.4 percent, up a dollar 43 at 105 dollars 70 cents a barrel. COMEX gold is little change at 1,828 dollars an ounce. The euro 1.0548 against the dollar. British pound 1.2294 and the yen at 135.12. And Bitcoin this morning is up four tenths percent at 20,880 dollars. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. Congress is on the verge of approving a $13 billion bipartisan gun violence bill. House approval is expected today on legislation that would be the lawmakers' most sweeping answer in decades. The Senate approved the measure yesterday with 15 Republicans joining Democrats in backing passage. House GOP representatives Matt Gates, Scott Perry, Andy Biggs, Louis Gohmert, and Mo Brooks all contacted White House staffers seeking pardons from Donald Trump, according to video testimony played by the committee investigating the January 6th riot at the U.S. Capitol. In baseball, the Yankees won along with the Orioles. The Giants and A's lost. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts, more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. All right, Michael, thanks. It's 619 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak, with so many historic developments happening in just the last couple of hours, really, in Washington, D.C. We're very pleased to be joined by Terry Haynes, founder of Pangea Policy, to sort out what's going on, particularly on the guns issue. 
Terry, good morning. Uh, we've had the first uh, significant piece of gun safety legislation to move forward on Capitol Hill in decades. At the same time, we've gotten the uh, first major expansion of gun rights to come out of the Supreme Court in more than a decade. What's the impact? Uh, good morning, Nathan. Uh, you know, I think the impact is, is uh, what people ought to look at, uh, I think, uh, between the headlines and potential dissonance of this here is that uh, there really isn't any dissonance. Uh, and, you know, don't believe me, believe the United States Senate, because uh, that that Supreme Court ruling came out yesterday, which I largely look at as, uh, you know, it's an important ruling, but it's a detail ruling. It's a detail about, you know, about how states can regulate gun carry. And nobody in the Senate stood up and said, wait a minute, we got to completely redo what we're doing here. Uh, nobody said, you know, this is fundamentally at odds with what we're doing. None of that stuff. And, uh, you know, and, you know, I find the uh, the voices of reason here to be first the New York police commissioner who said, you know, nothing changes if you're, uh, uh, you know, if you're carrying a gun illegally, you're still going to get arrested and prosecuted. Uh, Justice Kavanaugh, I think, uh, importantly said, look, you know, you, you can still do a lot of things. You can still require fingerprinting, background check, mental health, training in firearms handling, all those sorts of things. You just can't involve yourself in this sort of you know, sensitive place uh, and, you know, good moral character sorts of uh, things that uh, New York had been doing. Um, and finally, uh, you know, you're going to see a shakeout period, I think, where, you know, there's still going to be a battle over the uh, the precise parameters of concealed carry legislation, you know, but nothing here, uh, you know, fundamentally strikes at the heart of being able to do the sorts of things that Congress and uh, the president are about to do uh, on guns. So, you know, we have a, uh, you know, I think we have a, a net good here, frankly. In terms, though, of the Supreme Court uh, justifying now the Second Amendment as uh, as applying to uh, the right to carry arms outside the home, that does set a significant precedent in terms of what states can do in terms of regulating uh, firearms, doesn't it? I think it's a I certainly think it's a clarification. But, you know, I, I will I will say I think that, uh, you know, anybody that expresses shock over the idea that the court was going to uh, that the court might uh, or excuse me, anybody that was going to express shock over the idea that the court was somehow going to regulate uh, carry outside the home. Uh, you know, I think was dreaming. That's clearly not the thrust of the Second Amendment, however you feel about the militia clause. Uh, so, you know, net net. Uh, you know, what we have here is we have an affirmation of, uh, of, of an existing right uh, with some more specificity rather than an expansion, in my own view. In terms of the uh, bill that is going now to the House, the bipartisan gun safety legislation, we had 15 Republicans uh, vote with Democrats in the Senate. And we spoke with Texas Republican Congressman Kevin Brady. He sounds like he's on board with this bill as well, even though. The National Rifle Association has come out against it. Is there potential for a political blowback for Republicans who support this legislation? Um, I think a little bit, uh, but the uh, yeah, but I think what you see is you, you know there's potential for blowback uh, from Democrats or for Democrats and Republicans. Frankly, you have uh, you have absolutists or purists on both sides 
uh, that will be very, very disappointed in anybody that wants to adopt a, a more centrist or more incrementalist position. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the fact of the matter here is that, you know, both parties have been engaging for decades now in uh, more absolutist positions that, that thwarted the ability of, uh, of good common sense laws like the one or the, the one that's about to become law uh, uh, provide. And, you know, Democrats were even 10 years ago on the background check business, uh, as many Democrats voted against the background check laws, Republicans voted for it. Both parties uh, carry, I think, the, uh, the the stain of, you know, not wanting to or wanting to have the, the perfect be the enemy of the yeah. good. And right. uh, that's about to uh, th- that's about to change. And that's a good thing. Uh, broader, too. Thanks, as always, Terry, for being with us for your insights. Terry Haynes is the founder of Pangea Policy. In the interest of transparency, we should note that Michael Bloomberg, the founder and majority owner of Bloomberg Radio Parent Company, Bloomberg LP, donates to groups that support gun control, including every town for gun safety. Right now, S&P futures are up 29 points. Dow futures up 210. NASDAQ futures higher by 112 points. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather turning partly sunny with highs in the low 80s today. We'll be in the upper 80s, maybe 90 degrees for the weekend. Current temperature in Central Park, 63 degrees. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130 to Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991 to Boston. Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco. Bloomberg 960 to the country. Sirius XM Channel 119 and around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 6.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We are just about three hours away from the open of U.S. trading. It's time for the five things you need to know to start your day. Brought to you by IBKR. Investment advisors switch to interactive brokers for lowest-cost global trading and turnkey custody solutions. No ticket charges and no conflicts of your interest at IBKR.com slash RIA. Up first, a major piece of gun safety legislation in decades has passed this Senate by a wide margin. It now heads to the House, where Texas Republican Kevin Brady says it should get bipartisan support. I think hardening the schools makes good sense. And and, uh, third, I think uh, upping the penalties on those who straw purchase, who are buying specifically to give to someone, you know, who is ineligible, normally criminals there. You know, I really think that is that is. Very helpful. Republican Congressman Kevin Brady spoke with our Washington correspondent Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Sound On. Catch the show weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio. Well, the move comes the same day, Karen, that the Supreme Court struck down a New York law that required people to show a special need to carry a handgun in public. Meantime, Nathan, ahead of that controversial ruling, confidence in the Supreme Court reached a new low when we get the latest lie from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Karen. A Gallup poll measuring faith in institutions over 50 years shows many societal pillars are having a bad year. But the 11-point drop for the nation's highest court is about double the decline experienced by other institutions in the survey. Confidence in the Supreme Court this year has slid among Democrats from 30 percent to 13 percent and from 40 to 25 percent among independents. And for Republicans, the Gallup poll says confidence has risen from 37 to 39 percent. 
Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. Now, Renita, thank you. In Europe, Boris Johnson has suffered a major election upset, losing a formerly safe parliament seat in southwest England. Separately, Johnson's party was beaten by Labour, raising fresh questions about the prime minister's popularity. Well, turning to the markets now, Nathan, futures are higher with stocks on track for their first weekly gain in a month. The S&P 500 has gained more than 3 percent in this shortened holiday trading week. And Wall Street's biggest banks are now set to return tens of billions of dollars to investors, Karen. The banks all passed the Federal Reserve's annual test of their ability to withstand market turmoil. Shares of FedEx up about 3 percent in early trading. Nathan, the delivery service company, forecast annual earnings that beat analyst estimates. And that's the five things that you need to know to start your day, brought to you by Interactive Brokers. And straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. Thanks, Karen. 633 on Wall Street, 63 degrees in Central Park and still dealing with a service suspension on the Long Island Railroad. We'll flee with the details and traffic shortly. First, Michael Barr has more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Michael? Thank you very much, Nathan. New York lawmakers are reacting to the Supreme Court's ruling striking down the state's century-old law limiting the right to carry a concealed handgun in public. Governor Kathy Hochul says the decision isn't just reckless, it's reprehensible. We have taken away our right to have reasonable restrictions. We can have restrictions on speech. You can't yell fire in a crowded theater. But somehow there's no restrictions allowed on the Second Amendment. New York Mayor Eric Adams echoed Governor Hochul's remarks. While we're still analyzing the decision, we can say with certainty, uh, this decision has made every single one of us less safe from gun violence. Mayor Adams says New York can't be the wild, wild west. Congressman Richie Torres represents part of New York City. The ability of masses of people to carry guns in New York City is going to fundamentally change life in the city as we know it. Congressman Torres says the Supreme Court is undermining the ability of cities like New York to keep the public safe. Meanwhile, State Republican Committee Chairman Nick Langworthy says Democrats are trying to create fear and division over what he characterizes as legal gun owners' rights to protect themselves and their families. All of this on the same day an NYPD detective was injured after gunfire erupted in the Brownsville section of Brooklyn. NYPD officials say two officers were inside a marked vehicle. When shots rang out, the suspect escaped after a brief chase. The Manhattan District Attorney's Office is hosting a gun buyback event. It will take place tomorrow at the Soul Saving Station Church in Harlem. New Yorkers will be allowed to turn over up to five guns. It's $500 for assault rifles, 150 for rifles or shotguns, and $50 for BB guns or imitation pistols. It was one year ago today that a beachfront condo building in Surfside, Florida, collapsed, killing 98 people, including children. Families and friends of the victims gathered at the collapsed site for a private vigil at 1.22 a.m. to mark the time the building collapsed. Later this morning, First Lady Jill Biden is expected at a Surfside public event. A Long Island Board of Trustees admits it was a wrong decision to ban LGBTQ content from the children's section of a library, including books and displays. The Smithtown Library Board of Trustees apologized and voted last night for two to reverse a previous vote initially banning the content. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts, more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Thank you, Michael.
636 on Wall Street. John Stashower's got the Bloomberg Sports Update. All right, Nathan, make it 15 home wins in a row for the Yankees. That's something they haven't done since 1961. And the 15th, the most dramatic of all, Yankees not only did not lead until the end, they did not have a hit. From John Carlos Stanton's game-time three-run homer in the first inning until Aaron Hicks's game-time three-run homer in the bottom of the ninth off the Astros' Ryan Presley and then Aaron Judd with a walk-off hit on a 3-0 pitch and the Yanks won in stunning fashion. Beat Houston 7-6, to quite a start to the four-game series between the two teams who both have big division leads. Bit of a surprise to start the NBA draft at the Barclays Center. Most felt Orlando would take Auburn's Jabari Smith. They instead went with Duke's Paolo Boncaro. First of four from Duke taken in the first round. Oklahoma City stuck with Chad Holmgren, the seven-footer from Gonzaga, and that left Smith for Houston. All three one-and-dunners in college. Knicks had the 11th pick, traded it to Oklahoma City for some future picks. The Knicks also dealt the unhappy Kemba Walker to Detroit. Knicks drafted Duke's Trevor Keels in the second round. The Nets hosted the draft but didn't have any picks. Big question now, does Kyrie Irving leave? Reportedly, if he does, the Knicks are one of the teams he'd like to play for. And if Kyrie leaves, does that then mean the departure of Kevin Durant? Roy McIlroy shot 62 as the opening round lead in Hartford. Arch Manning, third generation of the first family of quarterbacks, son of Cooper, nephew of Peyton and Eli, grandson of Archie. He's decided to play college football at Texas. Everyone else in the family except Peyton went to Ole Miss, who painted Manning's name in the end zone at a game last season. Didn't work. John Stash, that we're Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? All right, John, thank you. 637 on Wall Street. Time to take a look at stocks. Some of the names moving in the pre-market with Texas's own. Kriti Gupta, Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent. What's this, Kriti? We're not starting a pre-market update with Tesla? No, but we're getting pretty close. We might as well, okay. actually. Talk about Twitter here. Twitter <laughs> shares are jumping. They were jumping as much as 3.4% in the pre-market. Now, pairing some of those gains, but still higher, about just shy of 2% this morning. It's coming after Twitter look, agreed to give Elon Musk more real-time data this week, that according to Business Insider. So it looks like this is going to be a stock to watch. But since you mentioned it, might as well check on Tesla as well. I mean, Nathan, just for you, of course, Thank we you. know there is that inverse dynamic between Twitter and Tesla. When Twitter shares go up, Tesla shares go down. The idea being what might Elon Musk kind of split attention mean for Tesla shares. Nevertheless, Tesla shares are actually up about 1% in the pre-market. So it looks like that hasn't that news hasn't quite hit those shares yet. And along with Tesla, remember, it is considered a big tech name. Apple shares are up as well. And you can see that all across the big tech players. AAPL is your ticker, also up 1%. So once again, right off the bat, it kind of right off the bat seems like there might be some good news when it comes to a little bit of a rally today, at least based on what the big tech players are doing. But don't forget about the oil players as well, because this is going to be really interesting. Nathan, we were just talking about a takeout bid for Twitter. Let's talk about a takeout bid for Occidental, at least a potential one. OXY is your ticker here. This, of course, is the oil company of about 2% this morning. This is after an Occidental analyst sees a possible, quote, ideal Buffett takeout bid, saying that, of course, Berkshire Hathaway is upping its stake in its oil producer, Occidental, by 9.6 million shares, just about. And it could lead the way to a potential takeover. So that speculation driving the shares this morning, Nathan, 2.3%. All right, crazy. Well, we're also watching FedEx, of course. They came out pretty strong with earnings. They came out pretty strong with earnings. And remember, FedEx is that major bellwether as well. So you can't actually look at the economy without looking at the likes of FedEx or UPS, the idea that it could be a proxy for that shipping story. Not only did they have some pretty strong earnings, they also lifted their forecast, which is interesting at a time when a lot of companies are cutting back or keeping their guidance about flat. Nevertheless, FDX is your ticker up about 3% in the pre-market. And this is going to be significant as we look at 
decelerating corporate earnings, as we look at decelerating growth in the broader economy, and of course, uh, what those banks tell you as well. And of course, speaking of banks, very quickly, Nathan, take right. a look at JP Morgan here. JP Morgan shares up at four tenths of one percent. We use that as a proxy for all banks that have accord- uh, allegedly passed their stress tests from the Fed. So good news for the financial sector. Thanks, as always. Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent Kriti Gupta as we look ahead to a solid open on Wall Street, potentially, with futures moving higher right now. S&P futures up 30 points, Dow futures up 213, and NASDAQ futures higher by 116 points. That's a gain of 1% on the tech-heavy futures contracts. The 10-year Treasury is down 430 seconds for a yield of 3.10%. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, partly sunny, low 80s to wrap up the week. We'll be in the upper 80s to around 90 through the weekend. Currently 63 degrees and cloudy in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow, and futures are moving higher this morning. We go to the first word, breaking news desk for today's morning call, and here's Tatiana Darie. Tatiana, good morning. Good morning, Karen. Futures are in the green today, like you mentioned, led by technology stocks. Dow futures up to 100 points, S&P's up 30, and NASDAQ up 116. Cross-asset, the Treasury's rally takes a breather with a 10-year yield up just a basis point to 3.1%. Oil is up a percent, and the dollar resumed declines. On the economic front today, the final reading of image consumer sentiment and new home sales at 10. Among Fed speakers, St. Louis Fed President Bullard and San Francisco Fed Chief Daly are due to speak. In early trading this morning, software maker Zendesk up 50% after report it's close to a deal to be acquired. Regarding earnings, FedEx is higher after results last night, and LendingTree indicates lower after cutting its forecast. In other news, keep an eye on bank stocks after the Fed said all lenders have passed their annual stress test. And wrapping things up here, Bausch & Lomb was rated new outperformer at Evercore, and Baxter was downgraded at Wells. Fargo. Live from the First and Breaking News desk, I'm Tatiana Daria. Karen. All right, Tatiana, thank you. And to hear live breaking news over your Bloomberg type squawk on your terminal, S-Q-U-A-W-K. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. The Senate voted 65-33 to approve bipartisan gun safety legislation. The vote came the same day the Supreme Court struck down a New York law that required people to show a special need to carry a handgun in public. The head of the United Nations has warned the world faces catastrophe because of the growing shortage of food around the globe. U.N. Secretary General Antonio Guterres says the war in Ukraine has fueled an unprecedented global hunger crisis already affecting hundreds of millions of people. In baseball, the Yankees won along with the Orioles. The Giants and A's lost. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Karen.
All right, Michael Barr, thank you. It is 649 on Wall Street. We turn to news and science and technology now with the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology. Ranked a top 50 national public university by U.S. News and World Report and a top 10 for best career placement among public schools by the Princeton Review. More at NJIT.edu. And here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. A new study says that COVID vaccines saved an estimated 20 million lives in the first year of their rollout. According to data published in the Lancet Infectious Disease Journal, more than half of the lives saved were in wealthier countries. Researchers say about one in five lives lost due to COVID in poorer countries could have been saved if World Health Organization targets had been met. Scientists have discovered the world's largest bacterium in a Caribbean mangrove swamp. Most bacteria are microscopic, but this one is so big it can be seen with the naked eye. Scientists have not yet been able to grow it in lab culture, but the researchers say the cell has a structure that's unusual for bacteria. The findings were announced in the journal Science. And hackers have stolen $100 million in an attack on a cryptocurrency bridge, an app that lets people swap coins between blockchains. Harmony says it's working with national authorities and forensic specialists to identify the hackers and retrieve the money. Crypto bridges are seen as being particularly vulnerable to hacks. And that's the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Nathan. Okay, Karen, thank you. We are live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, where it's almost 6.51 on Wall Street. Time now to check what's going on in D.C. Some of the top stories in our nation's capital include the Senate passing bipartisan gun safety legislation by a wide margin, former President Trump's election fraud pursuit put on display at January 6th hearings and President Biden heading to the G7 as allies fret over his troubles at home. Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins is here now with more on all these stories. Emily, the first major gun safety legislation in decades is now headed to the House. It is, and we are expecting a vote later this morning or early afternoon that will send it to President Biden's desk. But, Nathan, as you point out, it's this very weird split screen right now in Washington, D.C. You have Congress moving uh, this most significant new gun restrictions since the mid-90s, and literally on the other side of the street, the Supreme Court giving unprecedented uh, ruling that allows people to carry guns outside of their home and kind of set some precedent for that right. Um, and it kind of really highlights at this point exactly how controversial gun provisions remain, even though you did see 15 Senate Republicans partner with Democrats on the legislation that passed the Senate last night. You expect to see a lot more Republicans opposing that legislation today in the House. House leadership is opposed to it. That's a noted contrast from the Senate where Republican leadership was in support of it. Um, there are also some serious concerns about what uh, the political future will mean for Republicans who do support this bill. We already saw one Republican, Chris Jacobs. He represents Buffalo. Obviously, they had a tragic mass shooting the other month. He came out in support of a ban on assault weapons. And then a week later, he announced that he wouldn't be seeking re-election after losing a lot of internal party support. So a lot happening with the gun debate right now um, and just kind of showing how even though progress is being made in Congress, as far as gun control is concerned, uh, there's still a lot of this debate left to go. It's interesting, as we uh, heard from Terry Haynes earlier this hour, he doesn't really see much of a contrast between what Congress is doing and what the Supreme Court did in terms of actually restricting guns themselves. Uh, we don't have that in this legislation. 
No, we don't. And I mean, there is a lot of measures that they don't go nearly as far as Biden and Democrats wanted them to go. I take they wanted universal background checks. It's something Democrats are always talking about, always talking to high levels of uh, support among Americans for those. There are extended background checks, but only for those who are under 21. Uh, same thing with those red flag laws that are meant to kept keep guns out of the hands of people who could be a danger to themselves or others. Democrats wanted a national law and said they're going to uh, set up a grant program that will give funding to states who want to set up a red flag program, but that's not even required because it's completely voluntary. And you've heard uh, Senator Chuck Schumer, uh, you know, he's he as well as Speaker Nancy Pelosi have said that this bill certainly doesn't go as far as Democrats would like, uh, but Schumer said that they could not surrender to gridlock and that they had to try to Forge a bipartisan path forward to pass legislation. All right, let's turn to what we heard at the uh, latest January 6th hearings. Pressure on the Justice Department and pardons sought by members of Congress. Yes, you had a number of members of Congress yesterday who it was revealed uh, sought uh, some sort of pardon, either for themselves or others. Uh, Congressman Matt Gates, Scott Perry, Andy Biggs, Louis Gohmert, and Mo Brooks, certainly some of them, you've, you've heard these names before. Uh, they've been subpoenaed by the committee, uh, did not wind up uh, showing up. And you also really saw the committee hone in on exactly how much pressure Trump put on his Justice Department into falsely saying that the 2020 election was stolen. Uh, We heard from Jeffrey Rosen, who was the acting attorney general in January of 2021, and he testified that the Trump administration had this relentless pressure campaign to get him to overturn the election that included bringing up conspiracy theories about Italian satellites. He called that pure insanity. Um, And you had the deputy attorney general saying that Trump told him on a December 27th call to, quote, just say it was corrupt and leave the rest up to me and the Republican congressman. Um, And it really, I think, kind of shows, Nathan, plays towards the committee's overall thesis that Trump really did use whatever avenues he could in attempting to overturn the election and trying to uh, push a theory that he had been told by his advisors wasn't viable uh, to try to get an alternative set of electors to, to claim that he had won key battleground states that voted for Biden. Got about a minute left here, Emily. President Biden is headed on a uh, overseas trip over the next few days in a much different political position than he was the last time he left the country. Yeah, he's got back-to-back trips for the G7 and then to Spain for a NATO meeting. And it really is a, a very different spot than Biden was in at this point last year. Um, if you'll remember, his 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 ratings were high. Americans uh, thought he was doing a great job. The country seemed to be on the right track. And then from there, there have been a number of setbacks. I mean, Biden's approval rating at this point, in some polls show it dipping below 40%. And some of the concerns uh, that we Bloomberg has reported in a story that's on the terminal is that some officials, uh, German officials, according to the story, are worried that after November, if Republicans were to win the House, to win the Senate, it might um, impede on the Biden administration and its ability to really be a leader among European Union countries and other allies in putting pressure on Moscow. Now, of course, the president does have a lot of power when it comes to how they interact uh, with foreign policy and foreign nations. And certainly Republicans are also concerned about the ongoing war in Ukraine. Uh, So I think there's just kind of a big question mark of exactly what the Biden administration would look like in terms of foreign policy if Republicans controlled one or both branches of Congress. Yeah, interesting to hear how U.S. allies are focused on domestic politics as much as 
many of us inside the Beltway are. Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins, as always, thanks for keeping us up to date on what's happening inside the Beltway. And you can read more about these stories on Bloomberg.com or on the Bloomberg Terminal. And a reminder that you can follow all the latest on Bloomberg Radio in Washington, Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. S&P futures now up 27 points. Dow futures up 187. NASDAQ futures on the rise by 104 points. The 10-year Treasury down 430 seconds. The yield 3.10% and the yield on the two-year right now just about 3.03%. Bloomberg Surveillance next for Karen Moscow. I'm Nathan Hager and this is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at CarterEconomicForum.com.